Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, I want to show you a little slideshow, or a few slides, and this that you see is the Golan Heights in Israel. And the mountain, the snow-capped mountain you see in the background is Mount Hermon. Now, Mount Hermon is Israel's highest mountain. It's about 9,000 feet high. You can see the three peaks of Mount Hermon from the Sea of Galilee, which is about 60 miles away. And we're going to be visiting the region of the Sea of Galilee in a few minutes. This mountain range forms Israel's northern, northeastern border with Syria and Lebanon. You can stand on the Golan Heights, uh, Heights and see Syria. Mount Hermon's southern slopes are known as the Golan Heights, as I just mentioned. And Mount Hermon has long marked the northern border of the Promised Land, as mentioned in Deuteronomy, Joshua, 1 Chronicles, and Psalm 42. It's also where the Jordan River begins. The headwaters flow from Mount Hermon down to the Sea of Galilee. And here's a picture of part of the Jordan River. Now Moses defeated Og, the king of Bashan, at the foothills of Mount Hermon before he was prohibited from crossing over the Jordan River to go into the promised land. The city of Caesarea Philippi during Jesus' time sat at the base of Mount Hermon. And this is where Peter declared Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now we're taking a whitewater trip today down the Jordan River. And the Jordan River as we see it winding, empties into the Sea of Galilee. Okay, and one of the places we're going to visit today on the Sea of Galilee is this place called Capernaum, which means village of comfort. But you can also see there's other villages surrounding the Sea of Galilee. And on any place, any mountain you go, or even on the beach, you can see across the Sea of Galilee. You can see it. You're not isolated from it. You can view it from any area and see to the other side. Capernaum was an ancient farming and fishing village that had a population of approximately 1,500 people. It wasn't big. It was located on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, approximately two miles west of the Jordan River. The village isn't mentioned in the Old Testament, but it was referred to as Jesus' own city because Jesus taught and lived there for several years. Jesus moved to Capernaum from Nazareth, and he began his ministry when he was about 30 years old, as most of us know. Capernaum is also where Jesus met and converted Peter, also known as Simon, James, Andrew, Matthew, and John. Jesus often stayed at Peter's house where he performed many miracles. P- 
Peter, James, Andrew, and John were fishermen. And Matthew was a tax collector. Miracles that Jesus performed in Capernaum. Jesus demonstrated his ability to heal at the synagogue where he encountered a possessed man and cast out the evil spirit. All these miracles, the news just spread so fast throughout the region. Jesus performed another miracle at Peter's house where he saw Peter's mother-in-law in bed with a fever. Jesus touched her hand and her fever went away. At the center of Jesus' ministry, Capernaum witnessed more of Jesus' miracles than any other town. Jesus was revered here by the common people. But the Pharisees and the scribes rejected him. Capernaum was abandoned in the 7th century. By the 19th century, it was nothing more than a pile of rubble. Other towns that witnessed the miracles of Jesus disregarded him met the same fate. The ruins of ancient Capernaum were discovered in 1834. And I want to go there in a second. But I want to show you, just so you get an idea, you can see the Sea of Galilee. You can see the Galilee region that had all these little villages around. But the main one we're centering on this morning is Capernaum. You can see where Samaria is and Judea. Um, and we'll talk about some of the distance when we get into the scripture today. So I just want you to be able to be a little familiarized with this. And then I'm going to show you this ruin of this synagogue that's standing in Capernaum today. The ruins of ancient Capernaum were discovered in 1838 by the American explorer Edward Robinson. The ruins of Peter's home, which are located about 30 meters south of the synagogue. And well, I'll show you that a little bit later. Now, you're going to see on this picture, looks like a spaceship. So closest over to the left, you can see the synagogue. When you came out of the synagogue, you could cross those 30 meters or whatever I just said to that spaceship. Well, the spaceship wasn't there in Jesus' day. What was there under the spaceship is Peter's house, the ruins of Peter's house. And we'll see, I'll show you that a little later. But I wanted to show you that this Byzantine church was erected above the ruins of Peter's home. So it's a church. But when you go there, you can actually just go under the church and you'll see the ruins of Peter's house. The most prominent building in the area is this synagogue where Jesus taught. Remember, this synagogue was a Byzantine, or it was in the 18th century. It was built on top of the synagogue that Jesus actually taught in. If you can put up that one, I believe it's Matthew 4, or that's up for the uh, TV video. If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to Matthew chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 12 to 17 before we get into our main scripture, which will be in Luke. So Matthew 4, verses 12 to 17, give you a few seconds to get there.
Beginning at verse 12, if you could follow along with me. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What I'd like to do now is have you turn to Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 15. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 15. Verse 15, however, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. Lord, as we get into your word, touch us. Let us see you today. Do a new work here in each individual, on the internet, with everybody listening and watching. 
touch them right where they are. May they be willing to be touched by you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to show a video. If you were here last week or you were watching on uh, your device last week, you saw the healing of the paralyzed man. Well, about five or six days before that, the pastors know when we're going to teach at the end of the month. So I knew this was my month. So I was praying. I was figuring out what am I going to teach on? So one of the things that I was thinking about was this paralyzed man scripture. And then last week when Pastor Joe was teaching, he used this video. So that just confirmed it in my heart. Keep going. Keep going with this paralyzed guy. So that's what we did. So we're going to show a video and then we'll get back and break apart the 11 verses that we just read. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. See who you are in this video. Who are you? Which one are you? Please, do for him what you did for the lepers. That's a rope! Put it back, man. If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. your tablet at least. Whose authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? 
easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. Powerful. Powerful. Do you know that Jesus wants to touch you? He's always doing that through his Holy Spirit. He wants to touch you today again. He never wants to start touching our lives, ever. Ever. Let's take a look now at those 11 verses and see what the Lord has for us this morning. This account you can also find in Mark chapter 2 and in Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to start again in uh, Luke 5, verse 15. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. You know, there's a whole world that God is trying to reach out to. And governments and governors and people are trying to shut down that from happening. But you know where sin abounds, grace abounds more. There's groups of people that the Lord is pulling their hearts. That's important to understand. We're in a supernatural, a spiritual warfare for the hearts and lives of every single person on this planet. Eternal life matters. Eternal life matters. Verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. What's your wilderness today? What's the dry spots that are happening in your life where you are? You know, but more importantly, God knows. Jesus knows. And Jesus withdrew many times in that wilderness to pray, to be alone with his Father. You have that same luxury. I have that same luxury. Do we take advantage of it? 
He often entered Capernaum. I'm not reading from, I'm just, what I'm doing now is taking some of the other Gospels and intermingling it with our Luke 5. So I'll let you know when we're back looking at Luke 5. So Jesus came and went into Capernaum. He used to go into the synagogue and teach on the Sabbath. But this particular day, this certain day, you know, this is a certain day. We're reading here, it says this certain day. Today is a certain day. (laughs) Tomorrow is not even guaranteed and yesterday is gone. Today is a certain day. So Jesus was in this house on this certain day. And immediately, many gathered together so there was no longer room to receive them. It was a packed house. They couldn't even get near the door. Going back into Luke 5, verse 17. Now it happened on this certain day that he was teaching. Who was teaching? Jesus was teaching. From the other gospels that it says, and he preached. And it tells us what he preached. It says he preached the word to them. He preached God's word to them. God's word. Filled with power of God's Holy Spirit working in the hearts of the hearers that put themselves in the vicinity of where Jesus taught. The Bible says where two or more are gathered, Jesus is here. Jesus, you are welcome in this place, here, on this certain day, in TV land, where two or more are gathered in his name. Jesus is right there with you. That's awesome. Now notice as we go back to verse 17. There were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And I'm just going to put up if we could have that. Yeah, we're going to go back. Look where they traveled from. Look where they traveled from. From Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. You know, Judea... By foot, take a hundred. It's like 118 miles to get there. From Jerusalem, it took about 44 miles. We saw up at the foothills of Mount Hermon. It's about 60 miles away. So people are traveling. But what we're centering in right now is these Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting by. They had box seats, you know. They had the box seats here when Jesus was teaching. These were the bigwigs from Jerusalem. Now, around Galilee, you had other rabbis and priests and teachers of the law. And they were psyched that this Jesus lived in Capernaum. But what had been happening is Jesus was performing all these miracles in the region. So his fame was growing bigger and bigger and bigger. And they found out that he was in a house here. So they all started coming. 
But these guys, notice how they traveled some distance. And these Pharisees and these teachers of the law came there, and we saw in the video. They didn't come there to be touched by Jesus. They came there to what? To criticize, to find fault, to do something that they could hang him with or crucify him on. But look at the end of verse 17. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Heal who? Everybody that was there, including the religious leaders. None of us are immune from not having to be touched by Jesus Christ. doesn't matter where we are in our position. I need as much of a touch by Jesus as you do. We're all in that same category. But what I love about this is Jesus loved those critical Pharisees. He loved the guys who would eventually put the nails in his hands. He loved the guy who shoved the spear in his side. He created them. And he loved them. Though they were misguided and misdirected. But notice the power of the Lord was present to heal them, everybody who was in the sound of his voice, who was within the sound of his, his spirit. His spirit was present. As we continue in verse 18, then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. We're going to look at this guy a few times. But who was this guy? How did he get paralyzed? Was it from birth? Was it something that happened during the course of his life? And why did they bring this guy to see Jesus? Why? They knew that Jesus could do something to improve the condition he was in. But he couldn't get there on his own. He needed a bud. He needed a friend to bring him to the place where they would be in the presence of Jesus. Hmm. I wonder... If today, somebody invited you here today. I wonder, on the internet, if somebody's watching it with a friend who invited them to watch today. Do you know the average on the um, YouTube Live and Facebook Live is about 300 plus people over the past two or three months? Think about that. I think on a full day here, there's about 220. Understand what I'm saying? Jesus is reaching out and touching people that we don't even know. 
people are being brought into the presence of Jesus. Now notice, they sought to bring him in at the end of verse 18 and lay this guy before Jesus. Verse 19, and when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd. Do you notice the crowd prevented a paralyzed man from getting into the presence of Jesus? Boy, is that human nature? But understand that some of them wanted to be touched. Some of them were critics. Some of them were religious leaders who prevented people from getting into the presence of Jesus. We have a lot of churches and a lot of people who do that today throughout the world. Under the guise of religion, they prevent people from getting into the presence of Jesus. That's not good. That's bad. That's a sin. You can put that under the category of sin, preventing others from getting into the presence of Jesus. But these guys, when they couldn't find out how they might bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. Let's get to this. So this is a picture of what it might have looked like. The Sea of Galilee, Capernaum, the rooftops. They say back then there was like rows of rooftops or a road of rooftops. Some were so close together you could go on one roof and go to the other. You could just step on roofs to get to your neighbor's. So these guys, and we, and we know there were four of them from one of the other Gospels. There were four guys who were carrying this guy. Now, was the mat like this rug? Was it a straw mat? And here's one of the things. One guy, one person couldn't get this guy on the, the mat or the rug and lift him and bring him put him in the presence of Jesus. Two guys couldn't. Three guys couldn't. It took at least four so they could lift this guy. And what about the guy? He's home. I'll just call him friend. I won't say a name to him because I don't know his name. Friend, we're here. What are you doing here? Uh, We want to take you. We heard Jesus is in Capernaum. We want to take you there. What? We want to bring you to Jesus to see if he can touch you. He's been healing people. Do you want to get healed? Oh, that's a stupid question. Of course, I've been laying on this mat. People have to get me food. I can't go to the bathroom by myself. I can't wash up. People are, I'm dependent on everybody. Well, you're my friends. Okay, but be careful, please. You know, I'm already paralyzed. I don't want to fall and hurt myself. Oh, we'll be, we'll take care of you. So the guys got to each of the corner. They had to communicate with each other. They had to tell the paralyzed guy what they were going to do. They had to work together. This man 
had to have faith in his friends that they were bringing him to a place of good and no harm. And then they hit this crowd of people. They can't get to Jesus. They can't get to him. The Pharisees were saying, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Get over on the side. We got to hear what this guy's saying. And maybe there were some other people hurting that were hoping to get a touch by Jesus. Then there were the people in the house that were oblivious to what was going on in the outside. They didn't see outside. They were watching Jesus. They were centered in. So there's a lot of things going on here. A lot of things are happening. So these four guys, they huddle up. What are we going to do? The guy in the bed might have said, just take me home, guys. You know, Jesus lives here. We can go see him another day. And the guys are going, no, what can we do? We can't allow this obstacle to prevent us from getting into the presence of Jesus. What can we do? Oh, there's nobody up on the roof. Let's get up on the roof. And probably one of the other guys says, well, what are we going to do when we get up on the roof? We're still not in the presence of Jesus. Well, come on, let's just go up. Let's see what we can do. So they get up there and they get on the roof and they're walking around. And maybe they heard Jesus. He's right here. He's under here. I can hear him. Okay, and what are we going to do now, genius? How are we going to, what are we going to do? So they talk. And then they start digging through the tile and the mud and the straw. And they're get, making progress. Do you have friends in your life? Or are you a friend who digs and claws to bring other people into the presence of Jesus? Huh? Are you? Do you do that? Awesome. You don't? Why not? <laughs> Why? If you've been touched by Jesus, don't you want others to be touched by him too? Huh? All authority has been given to you in the name of Jesus to bring people into the presence of Jesus. How cool is that? From the other Gospels, they came to him bringing, what, as we know, this paralytic. And, you know, he's on top of the roof right now. And we're going to jump to verse 20 of Luke 5. It says, picture this now. Everything's breaking and you saw it in here. Things are falling. Now, first of all, it's not these guys' house. <laughs> it's not their house. So picture, you're in your house. Jesus is right there teaching. You've got prime seats because it's your house. And you're sitting there and all of a sudden, debris starts falling. And you're thinking, what is going on in my house? They're interrupting Jesus. Who's doing it? What's going on? And more and more, and then you start seeing 20, you see fingers coming through. You see 20 sets, you see five fingers here, another guy's fingers over here in the corner of the mat. And now 
there's light that's shining and you're looking up and you can't really see what's going on up there. And now you've got to get your buddy who's on the mat, who's trusting you not to hurt him, you've got to lower him down to Jesus. Pastor Joe said something before he introduced me that we all can do something. I've got a question. Can you hold on to a rope? Can you hold a rope? Yeah? How important was holding on a rope here? That was a big one. I like what Pastor Joe said with the little things you do. You have a little thing going on and there's millions of people doing the same thing throughout the world. That's not a little thing anymore. That's a big thing. Because Jesus takes nothing to make something and takes little things and makes big things. Amen? Amen. He does that. That's our God. He's a living Savior. He's not a dead Savior. He's a living Savior. So let's get back to verse 20. Jesus now, when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven. So they have to lower this guy. Now, the question I have, do they get a real big hole and just lower him down flat? Or do they just make a hole big enough and they put this guy like the film showed, feet first? And if you're the paralyzed man going feet first down, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Your feet are going down first. Remember, you have no muscle tone. You've never, you haven't walked ever or in a long, long time. There's atrophy there. There's fear. There's not only a paralysis physically. There's a paralysis mentally. And with all the nonsense going on in our world today, throughout the world, how many people are paralyzed mentally and spiritually? There's a lot. There's a lot, unfortunately. But Jesus wants to touch them. He wants to touch everybody. Jesus says to this man, and this is from the other Gospels that we get this account, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. Oh, oh, now what was this guy thinking? Was he afraid? Remember, we hear about your sins are being forgiven in our culture. We understand what that means in our Christian settings. But back here in this culture, your sins are forgiven. That's why the Pharisees freaked out. Only God can forgive sins. Who is this guy? Who is this guy that's saying to this man, your sins are forgiven? And what is this man that's paralyzed thinking? Why am I here today? Everybody's staring at me. I'm the center of attention right now. Is this man going to condemn me for my sins? Because sins and handicap back then were connected. Pastor Paul's teaching in Job, right? Remember his friends all came to him and blamed him. Hey, it's sin in your life. That's why you're crippled. That's, or not why you're crippled. That's why you're sick. That's why you're going through all these trials and tribulations. But understand, that's not how God works. 
Remember the story in the scriptures about the blind man? And the question was asked, who sinned, the blind man or his parents? It wasn't because of their sin. It was, it was because it was so the power of God could be shown and manifested. Let's go to verse 21 in Luke. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? I'm going to pull from some of the other Gospels and build to this, what I just read. So they said within themselves, they were thinking this. In their heads, they were thinking. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Why do you think evil in your hearts? Where does evil start? It's in your heart. Remember what Jesus said? He knew the heart of man, that it was wicked. Jesus wants a touch has touched, wants to touch our hearts. He's not done yet with us. We're not the complete product yet. He's bringing us through this life to bring us to that spot so we are complete in him. Back to Luke 5, 23. Remember, this is being directed not only mainly to the Pharisees and the scribes, but also to all the people that are within the sound of his voice. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? Well, it's a lot easier, right, to say your sins are forgiven. It'd be a lot tougher to say to the guy, get up and walk. Because that's a visible thing that you see. But remember what Jesus said a little while ago, the passage? That he saw their faith. He didn't feel their faith. He saw it. How did he see it? He saw it because these guys went up on the roof. They clawed through the tiles. Let this guy down on a rope. Their faith was demonstrated by how they were living. So is ours, right? How we live, we demonstrate on what, what and who we believe in. Faith is a lifestyle. It's a choice. Verse 24, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, Take up your bed and go to your house. So we find out here, this guy had a house. I wonder if he lived with his parents. Did he have a wife? Did he have any kids? From the story, it doesn't look like they came with him. It was these four friends that picked him up and brought him to Capernaum. 
And also in that verse 24 where it says, but that you may know that the Son of Man, Jesus, when he says the Son of Man, he's referring to Daniel 7, where he's referring to the Messiah as called the Son of Man. This wasn't any ordinary man. This was the Messiah that was prophesied in the Old Testament. That they've been waiting for for centuries. He was here. And understand the religious leaders and the scribes didn't see him. They were blind. They were paralyzed. And Jesus said to them in that last part of 24, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. In a scripture in Hebrews, it says, therefore, he, speaking of Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. You know, the true sign of pardon sin and of paralysis removed from your heart is obedience. One more time. The true sign of pardon sin and of paralysis removed from your heart is obedience. And we're going to look at that obedience in a second. People, you and I, we need to rise up, as Jesus told this paralyzed man, by lowering ourselves down before Almighty God. This is a story that really happened. It has physical, we can see it, we can understand what was taking place from the physical standpoint. But understand that lowering of this man is you and me lowering ourselves before the presence of Jesus to be put at his feet, to look up into his face, to understand that we all have mats and beds we lie in. And that mat or bed brought you maybe here today or listening today. What is it that you have that you need to turn to Jesus for him to touch? Is it your faith? Is it a physical thing, a mental thing? Is it a culture thing? Verse 25 of Luke 5. So remember, Jesus had just said, arise. And in verse 25, immediately, 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 he rose up before them. He took up what he had been lying on and departed to his house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear. Now remember, multitudes saw this. And they were saying, who's given such power to, to men to do this? We never saw anything like it. We never saw anything like this in our lives. We were present. We saw what Jesus did. And in that last verse, it says, we have seen Strange things today. 
And I have something I would like to say to you. You ain't seen nothing yet. You haven't seen anything yet. The best is coming. The best is coming. Jesus, as I wrap up, Jesus is telling you to rise. Be in control of what's carrying you, what you've been sitting in. Don't let it be controlling you. Go home and live your life rejoicing, glorifying God, and walk with him. Jesus told this guy to take up his bed and go home. Why? Picture him going home now. Was it his mom and dad? Was it his wife? Was it his kids? He's walking. And they're in the yard. We're in their house and they're looking out. And they say, who's this guy coming up to us? Is that my son? Is that my dad? Is that my hubby? Oh my gosh, what happened? How can this be? How can all this be happening? Before, all his friends were saying, hey, we're just going to take him to be in the presence of Jesus. So what is that, those people saying? Oh my goodness. He was in the presence of Jesus. He's laying down. Imagine that guy, arise. What's he thinking? I never stood on my legs in so long or ever. God restored everything. He took what little was there and made it a lot. He restored. Jesus, I believe, is telling us, don't lie down. Don't be inactive. Don't believe the lie that you're too young, too old, too inexperienced, not ready, not important. Jesus is telling you to rise. Have faith. Live again. Don't be paralyzed by other people or governments or world conditions, COVID, mask, air, fear, visual perceptions. Enjoy God's creation. Glorify him. Bring others into his presence. The people of God at this time need to be visible and on the offensive and knock down the gates of hell so that people that are being held captive can be set free from paralysis of sin, fear, death, life, confusion, uncertainty, anger, stress, hopelessness. Go interact with people. Resist spiritual distancing. Be more engaging now than ever before. People are listening. They are attentive. So much fake news. They need true news. They need Jesus news. Take a step. These guys were willing to go up the steps to get to the roof. What steps are you and I willing to take? Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. Act. Be active. Who or what has been carrying you? Put your hand in the hand of the God-man who died in your place and rose from the dead to give you eternal life. Earthly life is temporary. The world is falling apart. 
Jesus is putting individual lives together so they can walk with him. It's time to take a stand for God. And God is asking you individually, who do you say I am? What steps are you willing to climb to bring others to Jesus? What is keeping you from seeing Jesus? What has to be removed in your life to see Jesus? Sin? Other people? Crowds? Financial problems? Financial abundance? Sickness? Health? What is paralyzing you? Jesus is here. Jesus is waiting for you to lower yourself before him. To say like Thomas, who questioned the existence of the risen Jesus until he saw his wounds and believed and said, my Lord and my God. As a doubter, if you're a doubter out there, what will it take for you to believe? Surely there is not a lack of evidence. It's not because there's a lack of evidence. If you've taken the time to investigate that evidence. Or is it a moral problem? Is it your lifestyle that is holding you back? Jesus has always tried to get individuals' attention. Does he have yours today? Are you ready to worship him and call him your Lord and your Savior? You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.